0: All right, guys. Today, I get to talk to Trevor Mark, one of the founders of Karen. And we're so excited to be talking to you because we're going to be talking about online lead gen, investing, websites, etc. All these different amazing things. And I just really get to enjoy these conversations where, uh, you know, they're just a little bit outside the box, but also we're still real estate related. So Trevor, thank you so much for coming on the show. Let's talk about it. Like, where do you see online lead gen going on in the real estate space?
1: Dude, Matt, first of all, thanks for the invite on. I never, never take it for granted when I get a chance to hang out with cool people like you and, and talk. So I'll go really high level first and to kind of give a little bit of context. So people know where I'm coming from uh, with this. We, we work with about 7,000 real estate investors, a lot of what we call hybrid agents as well. I mean, it's where, where they're doing both. They're making the cash offer and or the listing for that seller. Um, And if you're to Google phrases like sell my house fast, insert any city in the country, you'll probably find somewhere between three and 10, three and eight Google uh, carrot sites and page one of Google for those phrases. So that data is what I'm going to be kind of uh, giving the inferences uh, based off of this wide swath of data. And what, what we're seeing in a big way, I mean, there's a Google algorithm update that just happened a couple of weeks ago. And we're seeing exactly what we called about four years ago happening is the market's moving towards trust, authenticity, uh, you know, really building expertise and authority and Google is rewarding that in a big way. So I'll I'll kind of, I'll kind of leave that little cliffhanger there. We can dig into things as much as we want, but when we're looking at online marketing, we're seeing paid ads on the Google side actually increase in effectiveness year over year. I, I can show you the data. We can talk deeper about that right now. Um, we're seeing with the text message marketing updates that, that are coming out literally like now the next couple of days, yeah. 10 DLC, yeah. um, we're seeing a bunch of people start to go, oh man, all the text message marketing that I'm doing, the outbound is going to be harder yeah. moving forward. So we're seeing a lot of people who are used to doing outbound text, uh, now start to move towards other you know, more sustainable, what I call evergreen marketing methods and, and they're going online. So, uh, dude, online keeps getting better. Offline's amazing too. And I think those who can continue to master offline are going to thrive because it is getting a little bit harder in some circles. So those who are able to master it, man, uh, I, I would stick with it and amplify with the
0: Internet. So let's talk about offline sources. I mean, that's direct mail. Can you kind of give maybe what you perceive as the top offline sources?
1: Yeah. So we've got a lot of data on this, Matt. We ran, we ran a bunch of surveys and studies and we're still finding in general, cold calling direct mail are two of the biggest, most common ones, right? So those who are um, moving away from text message marketing right now, they're going straight over to cold calling uh, and they probably were already doing that anyway. Direct mail kind of goes in these ebbs and flows. And oftentimes outbound marketing is what I call ebb and flow marketing because we know the method works, right? We know it works to get a piece of mail in front of someone with the right message or to call somebody where we see the ebb and flow of outbound is when a market gets saturated with the same marketing where someone you, want, you go into a house and there's 25 postcards or letters on, on the table, right? Or you talk to someone who also got 15 other phone calls. That's when it starts to uh, re- reduce in an effectiveness and people shift. So where direct mail is right now, is it's really coming back. I think there was a period of time three, four years ago where response rates were way down. They're still they're still soft, but now we're starting to see it come back as we're seeing more sellers be willing to sell if they're able to find a new place to buy. I think it just depends on the motivation. Um, a couple others though, if, if I were to kind of to call out some of the ones or some of my favorites when I talk to our biggest clients out there that are consistently good, um, and I think they will be, uh, as long as, as, as you know, for the next ten to fifteen years, uh, with this generation of TV and radio, uh, uh, you know, consumers, is radio and TV are great. Um, they're more expensive. It's a little bit more risk that people are taking on, oftentimes, and it's just different, right? It's, it's not as easy, I think, and cut and dry as getting a direct mail piece sent in, you know, to a, a, a list of five thousand people. You have to produce an ad and and all that goes with it, and then buy the right spots but we're consistently seeing radio and TV being really good for one, for a couple of reasons. Going back to what I started the call with of trust, authenticity and expertise Um, in our, in our data, when someone gets to a carrot website when, uh, when when someone gets to a carrot website and they'd seen a video or you could say audio with radio, they'd seen a video of you discussing your business and how you can help them. The conversion rate and all those leads is markedly higher, sometimes double.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so anytime huh. we can get a message in front of someone, it preframes that sale, builds trust immediately before they ever even reach out to you.
0: Yeah. Which is right in line with persuasion and Robert Cialdini's books and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, yeah. Love it. So going to the online sources Did I hear you say correctly that like things like PPC are increasing in quality, like increasing in conversions?
1: Yeah. So here, here's some data I was looking at it this morning. And like I said, this comes from over 10,000 websites across our 7,000 clients on our system. And year over year, uh, Google ads have, as far as lead flow of Google ads has gone up by 23%. So now you might look at that and go, well, what's the cause that you just have 23% more customers? No. So when, when we look at it, um, usually search engine optimization or SEO is what we, that's our bread and butter, right? And the majority of the leads historically for years and years and years at Carrot have always been our clients dominate Google for organic search rankings. They're the highest quality lead you can get, highest converting lead you can get as well. And then PPC was, was behind it, but behind it by a good margin. This last year, it, it came up their level with it. So now there's as many leads coming in from the Google Ads side of it uh, as, as there is uh, SEO Organic. Some of that is because of the way that Google has adjusted the pages. Right now, uh, a year ago, as Google was kind of experimenting two, three years ago with removing ads from the side, and then they put the ads just at the top and away at the bottom. Um, a, a year ago, we would oftentimes see just two ads at the top, maybe three. Now we're seeing like four ads at the top. And then it goes into Google Local Listings, then Organic. Uh, so I think part of that dynamic is Google just optimizing their, their search results a little bit more. But a couple of dynamics we are seeing, Matt, with paid that are that are noteworthy for people to take down is we are seeing the conversion rate on Google Ads. Once they click an ad and they go to a high converting carrot motivated seller site, that has gone up as well. So we're seeing that not only has the volume of people gone up, but the conversion rate has gone up too, which is a, it's an indicator there's demand. It's an indicator that there's people out there, not just searching, but now saying, yes, I really do want to start to to take that step of maybe selling my house. The one metric that is a little bit tricky right now, and this is where where people have to have a little bit more discipline on their marketing, is the lead-to-deal conversion rate with Google Pay-Per-Click is softer today than it was a year ago. So where a year ago, we could pretty predictably work with the client and on Google ads, to motivated house sellers through a high converting carrot uh, lead generation hub website, we could say it's between one in eight and one in 15 uh, of those, maybe one in 10 to one in 20 of those, depending on the market would turn into a lead, a, a deal. Okay. So if you'd get 15 Google pay-per-click leads more often than not running through a high converting carrot website with the right messaging, right ad copy, and someone who can actually convert the lead, it's a deal right now. We're pushing one in twelve to one twenty-five, so it's going to take a little bit more leads to get that deal. Um, so your lead cost actually might be slightly higher, um, and your deal cost might be slightly higher. But we're seeing the profit margins are still really, really strong. So those yeah. who are having those challenges, you got to stick with it because what we usually see is we see a slingshot. We see the demand here at the conversion side of it, and we see the demand piling up at lead to deal um, right there. And it's usually because people for some reason, unless they're highly motivated, aren't yet ready or willing to sell. So keep them in your nurture sequences, keep uh, sending retargeting ads to them that build trust and credibility. And eventually they will be ready to sell. And the person who stayed in front of them the whole time and built that trust is gonna be the one who's gonna be able to serve that client and get the business.
0: What recommendations would you give to people running retargeting ads? Is it just testimonial, testimonial, testimonial? Is it educate, educate, educate? What what would be the the best retargeting campaigns that you would come up with?
1: Yeah, dude. So the, the way that I way that I look at marketing in general, I'm going to go up one level on the strategy side, then I'm going to go down to tactical here. Uh, so I'll give you guys the exact ads. So I'm going to give you guys the four ads on the tactical side, but let's go up to strategy first. So. Um, whenever i'm talking to our clients and some of the biggest investors in the country they even get this wrong is we oftentimes start our marketing completely opposite from how we should i call it i call it working backwards so if you're to picture like a a bow tie or you know a sideways funnel um and this i'm going to kind of illustrate the customer journey um i'll speak it through and hopefully it creates a picture in people's minds but on the left side of that customer journey you have someone who knows they have a problem and and now they're they're just now starting to do some basic searches to try to figure out you know how they can solve this problem right they they might be going to google to go like what's my home value or selling a home in in portland oregon or whatever it is and then as they advance in that search, they're now going to discover the different options, right? They're going to discover that, man, there's these three real estate agents. And then there's these three investors. And I got this phone call over here and I got this thing. I, I saw the postcard or I saw the billboard. and I got the postcards. So now they're discovering, oh, here's some options. Okay. And there's these two or three ways I can do it. And this iBuyer thing. I saw that there's you know, open door and that might be an option. And now, as they learn about those options more, and they 're going to do Google searches for those. The Google searches that might come up there might be cash home buyers in Portland, Oregon, or best real estate agents in blah or selling to an i buyer or selling without a real estate agent in Portland, Oregon. all right Those are the types of fa- uh, phrases in that middle part of that customer journey before they buy the last part of it right before they become a deal is what I call decision phase okay now they have the options, and now they 're going to go. I need to now whittle those options down to the one I'm going to choose. And so now people start to do searches and ask friends that are specific to the solutions. They're going to look up your company name plus reviews. They're going to look up your company name uh, you know, plus city. They're going to look up the other two or three options that they've talked to and say this company name plus reviews. That's what's now going to tell them the story of who they should work with right? It's what, do they see a Google, my business profile, what do they see on their retargeting ads during this phase? So when we're talking marketing, most people start their marketing by trying to get more eyeballs up at the top. What I, what I would suggest for people to do is you need to work backwards. Always start your marketing in every channel at the decision phase and ask the question, if I'm putting all this time, money, and effort to get people to decision phase, but then they fall off right there and I lose those deals and those usually manifest as people ghosting you. Right, we we all we've all had that. We're like, man, I was talking to the seller. I thought we had it, and then they ghosted me. Well, it's probably not that their problem went away. It's that for some reason they didn't choose you, right? They chose somebody else. And and I want you guys to write down the average profit per deal that you have. Is it ten k? Is it fifteen? Is it twenty? Well, you how many of those twenty thousand dollar profit deals are you losing? at the decision phase, because we haven't chose to tighten up that trust, credibility and expertise at the decision phase, but we're focusing all this effort up here at the top of the funnel, right? So one of those decision phase things that we do is we're gonna write down all your marketing channels. We're gonna say SEO is a marketing channel, Google paper is a marketing channel, Facebook ads are a marketing channel. Before you ever start any Facebook ads to go after clients at the top of the funnel, people who don't know about you yet, you should always only start Facebook ads to people who already know about you because they're going to be the highest profit, easiest ones to convert. So those ads, I'm going to give you guys four of them to to set up. Okay. Those four ads, um, I usually do three testimonial ads and one what I call direct ask ad. Now, but those three testimonial ads have to be really strategic. And this is where uh, I think people can get the biggest benefit is this strategic shift in their mind and the way that they think about marketing and testimonials. So, um, what a lot of people will do is they'll take a random testimonial and say, Hey, Matt was awesome to work with. I'd suggest working with him again. Right. That's great. But what we really need our reviews and testimonials to do is eliminate objections. That's all that they're there for. Right. So guys and gals write down your, your top two, three, four biggest objections that someone would have to either work with you or to work with someone like you. And then go back into your client base and go, Okay which deals have I closed recently where I know that we overcame that objection for that person reach out to them or if you already have a video of that amazing but you uh, for a house flipper or a wholesaler it might be well they're probably going to lowball me i heard from Nancy my neighbor that they're just going to offer me 60 cents on the dollar right awesome so you need to find a testimonial from clients you've worked with or on your next deal ask questions the right way and i can guide people through it on this call to elicit a great testimonial but you need to go okay Let's say you helped someone and what they told you afterwards, like, oh, my gosh, you gave me the number I asked for. Awesome. Work with him to get a really good review that says, I worked with Matt. He paid me more than I thought he was going to pay me and actually gave me the exact number I asked for. That's your headline on your testimonial. That's your headline for that Facebook ad. And then have the person speak it in video or show a picture. With If it's a picture, you should have a bunch of copy underneath the picture that tells their story and tells the objections you overcame in the call to action. If it's a video, you don't need a lot of copy. So do that with your top three objections. Okay, the other one could be, can they actually close that quickly? The next headline for that is going to be another person. Hey, we closed in seven days. I actually didn't think they could close that fast, but they cl- they did it and da, da, da. It was great to work with them, have them tell their story, right? Or another one could be, Around, well, selling retail, you know, should I, should I sell it as uh, should I just go work with the real estate agent or vice versa? If you're an agent, why you shouldn't work with an investor, right? Or whatever it is. So write down those top three objections and then have those testimonials be for that and then make the title of those ads, literally the words that are the, in, in that prospect's mind around those objections. The fourth ad, it's just a direct ask ad. It's, Hey, you still looking to sell your house in, uh, in Portland, you know, get a quick cash offer or, or list your house for top dollar, you know, depending on if you're an agent investor or a hybrid, and that should just click and go right back to your site. So if you cycle those through as people, as people see, uh, go on to Facebook or they Google you and they see reviews, you're continually building that trust and credibility with them. So when they're ready, they're going to remember you, not the person you're here who hasn't done that work.
0: You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between five and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven figure strategies and got an inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us, and let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. So this is absolutely fantastic. Like I go hyper deep when it comes to testimonials in relation to creating the storyline and some of these other elements. And, but uh, some questions that kind of come up from the way you describe that is what is the cadence of these ads, right? So someone comes to your side or they engage with you. Is it, they like, how, how can you uh, put these out there in a way? Is it like they see one, then two, then three, then four, and then repeat? Or how does it go?
1: Yeah. on, On the technical side of Facebook, I mean, you, you can go in there and number one, you'll set the audience and the audience is, you know, website visitors over this period of time. And, um, I don't know all the details on this. My team runs this part of it, but essentially as long as they see that, as long as they see the ads over the course of time, I, I like to make it so the frequency, I'm sorry. I like to make it so they're not getting saturated with the same ad. So if they see the same ad six, seven times, I will usually rotate a new testimonial story through every 90 days. So they're, they're going to get the new one every 90 days. So it's fine if they see that same ad four, five, six, seven times, but not any more than seven or eight because then they're just blind to it. But as far as the technical part of how to set that up on Facebook, I'd have to ask my team on the details of does it show them in sequence? It doesn't have to be any sequence. It's as long as they're getting those and then as long as they get the direct ask ad every so often.
0: But you're probably, as a collective, you're probably setting those up where the frequency of the testimonials is three or four times greater than the, te- the frequency of the ask. Yeah,
1: 100%. And just by nature of having the three testimonial ads up there, because they're all going to drive a call to action, right? All of them say, hey, click this link to go you know, get your cash offer or to, sell your, to list your house for top dollar, depending on if you're an agent or investor. They're all going to have a CTA. But just by nature yeah. of there being three of those, there's already going to be three times more testimonial ads than that direct ask ad. But the the big thing there with retargeting, I think, is, is don't overcomplicate it. Just get something up and started because you can always refine that most of your competition is either just doing blanket Facebook ads and they're not doing anything at decision phase at all, or they've got only direct ask ads up. That's most people. So even if you just, without making it fancy, you just put up a few testimonial ads and direct ask ad and let that roll, uh, you're ahead of most people there.
0: Love it. So let's go ahead and go back. I, I'm really excited because like what you're describing in the beginning of, of the sequence of the ads is basically, are people pro- problem aware? Are they solution aware? Or are they, you know, in that type of sequence? So someone goes into your website, you're hitting them with testimonials, which is essentially it's helping them understand you as a company and that you can solve these problems. What are some maybe ways that you're helping them become more problem aware or solution aware? Yep.
1: Yeah, so, so once we've nailed the decision phase side of it, right? So you, you, you've got the Facebook side of it with uh, retargeting ads on Google organic, you Google search your company name plus reviews. You see what pops up there. You've claimed your Google my business. You've got at least 15 reviews up there, which, is a real indicator of getting your site ranked higher and trust. Um, And another thing that I'm going to go up to, uh, up to solution aware, then another thing is actually buy an ad for your company name. Okay. I I rarely see that. Uh, If I'm in your market, I'm going to pay for a Google ad for your company name. Now I'm not going to put your company name in the ad, but I'm just going to, I'm going to put some copy in there to get people to think about me as a solution. So buy that, that spot. Because it's going to be way cheap and that way it, it makes it so your competitors are likely not going to do it at that point. So once you've nailed decision phase, then we're going to go upstream and we're going to go, going to go try to attract new people. Right. So the first spot that I that I'll always start is, is Google ads uh, when we're talking online marketing. Um, the decision phase part actually amplifies all of your offline marketing. So you kind of check that box there. You say all this offline marketing I'm doing creates online demand. Right, every, every postcard you send, every phone call you make, every text message you send, every billboard, uh, people are, are going online in some way, shape, or form to learn about you. Uh, we even see people literally, Matt, Google searching the phone number that people are cold calling from. I got called from this company five times in the past two weeks. Who the heck are they? I'm not going to call them back. So then you Google it and go, who is this? Usually it's scamcall1800.com and it uh, immediately limits your, your reduces your credibility in their eyes. So take those phone numbers you're cold calling from and even put those on your website, on your contact page. Hey, you might've found our website from one of these phone numbers, great. Uh, this is you know, how we can track how we find our clients, check out the site, see how we can help you. So you've nailed that now. All right, so now we're gonna go get new prospects uh, after we amplified the effectiveness of all of our, our other marketing with what we just talked about. So I'm gonna start a, a Google ad campaign. And I'll usually do Google ads before Facebook ads, because you're going to get a higher conversion rate and we see a higher profit per deal on Google ad and SEO leads. Um, the numbers that we see Matt are about one in five to one in 15 Google search organic leads turns into a deal. Okay. Uh, one in 10 to like, so one in 20 usually, but we're about one in 23, one 25 right now, Google PPC leads turns into a deal. Uh, Facebook ads, it's 1 in 20 to 1 in 30 or 1 in 20 to 1 in 40 sometimes. Seller leads turn to a deal. Direct mail, 1 in 40 to 1 in 60. Uh, and then radio, TV, cold calling is right there to 1 in 60 to 1 in, uh, one in 50 to 1 in 70. Okay? So the quality of a lead is far higher when you're getting in front of people who are actively searching for a solution. And the quickest way to get in front of them is Google ads while we're working on our SEO uh, over the longer time. And so the, the keywords that we found, I was looking uh, with our team in a, in a data set the other day, the keywords that we found that are the highest profit, they're not the cheapest, they're not the cheapest, uh, leads or clicks by far, but they're the ones that are turning the highest ROI are exactly directly asking people who are saying, I'm looking for someone to buy my house for cash. So the phrase is cash home buyer, cash home buyers in Philadelphia. Okay. Uh, People who buy cash, who buy homes for cash. Those types of phrases, and we've got a whole list of them, are the ones that are the highest ROI right now. But what we're seeing, Matt, is in some of these markets, we're seeing $200, 275 lead cost. Now, so people are looking at that going, dude, I can get I can get, and that's in a localized Google pay per Click campaign. Right. If you yeah. have a regional or national campaign, you can get leads for way less than that. Way less than that. But you're going to get them all over the map. They're all over the place in areas that you may not want. But you're going to be able to get them for 30, 40, 50, 60 bucks a lead if you do a national, regional campaign. But if you're wanting to zero in directly on one city or even one part of that city, they're going to be more expensive. So if we're if we're paying 250 bucks a lead for a Google ad, what what a lot of people will do, Matt, is they'll come to me and they'll say, Hey, Trevor, what can I get for 1,500 bucks? A And I go, good question. But the problem with that is that's an emotional marketing ask is you're saying, I am willing to risk $1,500 a month. That's kind of, that's kind of emotionally what I'm comfortable with. What can you do with this? And I go, well, good question, but let's see what the market bears and what the market requires uh, in order to get a deal in that market. And then let's go from there. And so I'll ask them some questions. I'll say, we have a free tool um, that we, that we help people, uh, create uh, their marketing budgets using this calculation. But we say write down first your average profit per deal. So let's say it's back to that $20,000 number, right? Average profit per deal. So your marketing budget should be based on math, not emotion. Let's start with math and numbers. And then we go, okay, cool. What would you be willing, be willing to trade in order to get that 20 grand? Well, even outside of the real estate market, going into direct response world, we always use a four to one, like uh, it was a four to one ROAS return on ad spend. Or in the software world, it's a four to one LTV to CAC or lifetime value to customer acquisition cost. So four to one is the number that you're that you're wanting to go after. Um, and four to one to that would be five thousand dollars is what I'd be willing to spend to get twenty k. That's like gold standard. You're crushing it if you do that. Okay, so. Uh, would I like to get them for 2K? Heck yeah, I'd like to get a deal for 2K or 3K or 4K. But math says I can crush it and I can scale at 5K. So then I go, cool, what lead source are you using? Let's go back to SEO, use round math. And then we say, how many leads does it take to get one of those deals? Okay, let's just say it's 10. Okay, 10 leads, 10 good quality SEO leads. So if if I'm willing to invest 5K to get a deal, that brings me twenty. Uh, I divide the five k by how many leads it's going to take. That's ten. 10. So five hundred dollars per lead. In that okay, that means math tells me I can invest up to five hundred dollars per lead as long as I'm converting one in ten, and as long as I'm profiting, you know, bringing in a gross of twenty k or more, and I can scale that campaign. So then I'm working with that person, and I say, how many how many deals a month are you wanting to do in that market? They go, man. I'd love to do two or three. I go, okay. So math says that you should be willing to ramp up towards a ten to fifteen thousand dollar a month budget to get there, and that should get you with these numbers, you know, forty to sixty thousand plus in revenue. How does that sound? If I were to come to that person and say to hit those goals, you need to be doing fifteen to you know ten to fifteen k a month. They're not going to do it. And so what? What most people do is they'll get two or $3,000 in or $1,500 in using an emotional budget and then they'll kill their campaign. And let's say that the numbers said that you're, 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 um, you're willing to spend up to $3,000 for a deal. Okay. Using whatever numbers you're doing and you stopped it at 2,200 bucks because you're like, ah, 2,200 bucks. I've only got seven leads. I don't know if I'm going to get another one. What if lead number 10 pops you 16 K right? So, guys, stick with math, not emotion. So I would start there, Matt, and I would just uh, stick with those numbers, put my head down, know how many leads I need to get to close the deal, follow up those immediately. Online leads, you've got to answer either live or follow up quickly, like less than five minutes kind of a thing. And then put them into a really good follow-up sequence. They're going to be the highest converting, the highest profit margin deals you can find, highest motivated, but they are competitive. For sure.
0: yeah well and it's it's crazy I mean I, we did direct mail campaigns years ago for expireds and we sent them out for months and there wasn't much activity and we stopped and then you know we had gotten some calls well we ended up listing a couple properties uh, out of those mailers but we had stopped doing them and then after we listed them we sold those and then we got referrals and we just kind of tracked it for like two or three years and what we found is three months or so of mailers that cost us I don't know thousand bucks three thousand bucks like like nothing. Uh, we just didn't do it because the gal who was helping us do it didn't like doing it. So she had complained enough to stopped. It was like $220-something thousand dollars of GCI tracked over a long enough time horizon. And and so, you know, like, it took me three years to learn that we should have never stopped doing that. Um, you know, and and, I, and this is probably very similar in that same way, right? I mean, like, you could be nearsighted in the sense of making an emotional decision to, uh, to make your budget, but you can also recognize, like, if you follow up and build relationships, this is not transaction one of one right? Yep. And this is transaction one of many
1: Dude, 100%. And and that's the key. I remember a deal. I was partnering with one of our clients in Miami and we had ran a Google campaign in that market and and it didn't work out the way we had hoped, right? And that market, we weren't getting the numbers that we were needing to. And so we moved to Port St. Lucie and we started to get deals out of there. But it was 18 months later. I I get a text message from my buddy, Alex, Alex Pardo in that market. After we after we had stopped the campaign in Miami, moved to a different market, and he goes, "Hey, dude, you remember that one that one deal that we had under contract and fell off?" And I'm just like, "No, which one?" He described it to me. I'm like, "A year and a half ago." He goes, "Yeah, we just we we just got the deal. Uh, we've been following up, and they have a, a cadence on a follow up, and it was just the right timing for that person. And because they followed up over time, and like you said, built relationship, they were the ones in front of them. And 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 Matt, here's here's kind of one thing." We work with a lot of real estate agents too, and, and we're working with a lot of a, a lot of agents who are you know, what we call hybrid, right? And and when I when I talk to uh, when I talk to the traditional real estate agent, uh, the kind of the the common theme that I'll hear from agents around Google Ads for sellers is that I tried it and it didn't work, right? I tried it and it didn't work. And so when 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 I really dove into that market years ago to go like, why? what what, what are people doing differently? The common things that a real estate agent is trained to do or what what most agencies um in this market do for agents is they're going to market the home value the home value page right so it's going to be for phrases like best real estate agents in whatever or seller agents or listing agents in or maybe sell my home uh you know things like that and then they're going to drive to a very unoptimized page that is a traditional real estate agent website which most agent websites are geared towards buyers And then they have some like little bit of agent stuff on, or a little bit of seller stuff on them. And when we're sending a seller, especially a motivated seller to a buyer focused page or an unoptimized seller focused page, it's not going to work. And so uh, the next thing with agents as well is because of pure traditional listing, like you had said, oftentimes it's got a long tail, right? It might be six months, eight months, nine, 10, 12 months before many of those uh, leads as home value leads are even going to think about turning into a listing and then selling and turning into cash for you. And so when, when most agents start that Google pay-per-click campaign uh, for those competitive phrases and those, those clicks are expensive and they don't close a deal in 90 days, they see that they're out six G's or five G's or whatever it is. They kill it because the time horizon to close those deals and put money in your, your pocket, the cash conversion cycle takes too long. And so the way that we've worked with uh, agents and, and, and hybrid agents to make this happen is, is number one, you have to move hybrid. You have to be able to serve the truly motivated seller who you can purchase those homes in a week, in two weeks. You can, uh, the first one, when, when we launched a campaign in Louisville, Kentucky a year and a half ago uh, with, with a, a client and partner of mine in Louisville, this doesn't happen most of the time, Matt. So I'm not going to like, I don't want people to go, oh, this is what it sounds, this is what it's like. No, this was an anomaly even for the guys who do this every day. We started a campaign there, driving to a high converting, highly optimized, motivated house seller website with Carrot. We had cash in bank, not just like locked in under contract, locked under contract, cash in bank, done deal in the bank in three weeks, $54,000 profit deal. That doesn't happen most of the time, right? Usually I have, I have a rule where it's the 60 day rule. If you're marketing towards highly motivated house sellers, it's the keyword phrases like Cash home buyer, sell my house fast. We buy houses. Those are highly motivated sellers. Sell my house in Portland is not highly motivated, okay? That's someone who's looking to sell and they may be a perfect listing uh, um, listing opportunity, but the cash conversion cycle is going to be longer. But you put in those highly motivated phrases, your, your uh, click to deal, a timeline goes down. Now, all of a sudden, you can make paid marketing work great because you have a chance to get paid quick now in under 90 days. And I popped that $54,000 deal in three weeks, and now that pays for our marketing for the whole year. I'm like, dude, that's gravy. Um, so that mindset is is you know, needs to shift for most agents is if you're purely an agent looking for listings, it is gonna be a little bit harder unless you've got a good budget that you're willing to stick it out for that long period of time, like you said, and wait for the profits to come over a long period of time. Going hybrid is key right now going hybrid is key. being able to come to that seller and say hey you know what Um, let's understand your situation and i've got a couple options for you you know put if you want the most money in your pocket you should list it and, and we can help you with that but you know what if you're looking for speed and convenience um we have this other option and it does it does bite at a discount but this is if you're looking for speed and convenience you're not able to wait or you just don't want to put it on the market now you pop one of those every so often it really helps 80% of the leads that we see um at through our system over 70,000 seller leads every single month come through our system through the internet uh 80% of those want retail even though they're opting into a website that says sell your house fast for cash they want retail they're not willing to take the discount that means only 15 to 20% of those people who opt in actually are willing to look at the discount offer 80% guys are retail and that's where that's where there's uh, such a
0: huge opportunity for agents so you being the CEO of Carrot and having access to all this data, being a smart dude, how do you decide how you invest personally?
1: Yeah, for, for me, I mean, this is the advice I would give to anybody. So I discovered years and years ago, Matt, at least at least for me, um, I tried to wholesale when I was just out of college. And by the word try, I mean I it was a half-ass yeah. effort. But yeah. I just really discovered that for me, real estate. Yeah. As an active income wasn't what I wanted to do because I really, yeah. I really fell in love with marketing. I'm like, I just yeah. like marketing because if I can be a great marketer, I can carry that skill set anywhere in any industry. I love real estate from the long term wealth building perspective and, and a tax perspective. So for me, that that has kind of shaded my investment decisions. Um, so uh, we live in this little town called Roseburg, Oregon, and our, our company of Carrot we have sixty uh, plus sixty five employees. Uh, We're a multiple eight figure year company, but we're remote. And so I've got a big office here with our co-work space and we have acquired two other buildings downtown. We're renovating those retail downstairs, you know, apartments and loft upstairs. That's where I tend to invest my money because it's in front of me. I can feel it. I can walk through the property, helps beautify our neighborhood. Um, And then the other ways I'm I'm making my investment decisions, Matt, tends to be with long-term holds on apartment buildings and things like that. Um, the other, the other way, which is more active income is as a private lender. And so I partner with uh, a few of our clients that, that, uh, I've worked with a bunch over the years and I'm usually wiring out four to five you know, times a month and, and funding a lot of deals. But from the perspective of me picking a market and going into a market, I tend to pick people. I tend to pick operators and I say, I don't care what market that operator's in. I trust that person. I like their model. I've seen it. I'm going to pick them and wherever they go, I don't care where they go. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to invest into them.
0: What is your vision for your life and business next 12 to 18 months?
1: Yeah. So it, it's something I've been doing a lot of thinking about.
0: Um, you know,
1: for, for sure. Uh, I just got off a call last night with a good friend of mine, David Phelps, who has a mastermind with dentists. And we were talking vision. we were talking, um, you know, how, how do you continually refresh or what I call refueling that vision? And I'm on, a, I'm on a journey where things break in business at threes and tens, right? Things break. So 300,000, a million, 3 million, 10 million, 30 million things break. Um, things break at threes and, threes and tens around employees, about 3, 10, 25 to 30, right? Things get hard again. And so I've been able to grow through each one of those phases. But once we hit the eight figure mark a, a few years ago, that one got hard for me. And at each at each one of those threes and tens, you hit a pain line and the pain line manifests as, man, you're getting wore out. You might be getting burnout. You might be getting a little bit bored or or you're starting to to go, oh, my gosh, this is getting hard again. Maybe I'm going to go backwards into the the phase of business that was comfortable in the past. So to answer your question, um, as I was in that pain line, learning how to be a CEO, you know, multiple eight figure companies and how to how to hire executives who can truly build. I'm like, man, I don't like the operation of business on the day to day. I like this stuff. I like uh, marketing coming up with the next new thing. And I like acquiring companies. We've had a chance to acquire a company in this past year. And uh, I'm I'm working my way out of the daily operations of Carrot right now. And uh, so I can focus on how do we solve bigger, greater problems for for our clients in this space. Uh, by acquiring or starting other companies that are complementary so that's for me man that learning journey going how do i now move to more of a board seat at carrot setting up an amazing team to get me out of the way so i don't slow things down and then go find those right next opportunities to create more opportunities for my team uh, and our customers behind me um
0: that's that's the the personal growth i'm on in the business side right now Amazing. Well, Trevor, thank you so much for coming on. The amount of detail you went into on the ad set, I think will be so beneficial for those that actually take action. But for those of you out there listening, write down what you learned and took away from this episode, share it with somebody you uh, know so they can hold you accountable. Cause freedom is acquired one action at a time. And if you take steps day by day before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode. Hey, thank you guys. Dude, you are tremendous. My goodness. Like,